Hello, everyone. Happy Friday. Oh, my goodness. It's going to be a great freaking show. But before we jump into that, it was an epic week for Crazy Ant Media, man. We're rocking and rolling with a short film. And I mean, that's a lot of exciting stuff coming up. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Busy, 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 busy. 43 days and counting. Well, if you're listening to it on the debut of this show, it could be a little less by now. We don't know when Exactly, listening. exactly. We got our cast. We almost got all of our crew. We're about to do some location scouting. Everything is rocking and rolling. We just want to give you guys a little update on what's happening behind the scenes here at Crazy Hell Ant Media. Yeah. Oh, man. But now, let's get into it. What's up, guys? Welcome back to another episode of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. Holy moly! It is episode 161 this week, and you guys know your host with the most, myself, JLo Fantastic, and the one and only Mouse. What's up? Guys, we got a lot to talk about. A Cinemark making a lot of moves in Hollywood, making deals with all the major studios. Of course, we're going to be talking about that epic Phase 4 trailer that Marvel dropped this past week. Man, it was absolutely breathtaking taking i love when they use the 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 in studio or in theater uh shot of end game people getting all excited i mean it was so epic i mean there were so many epic moments in end game of course of course though we're also going to be talking about what wasn't in it because there's a lot of people like hey wait a minute hold up we didn't see some stuff where is it at so we're gonna talk about that too hell yeah and i mean you guys know black superman is coming we're gonna be talking a little bit more about that and just so much that went down in Hollywood this week because you guys know if it went down in Hollywood we're talking about it and of course before we get this thing started be sure to head over to our website www.crazyantmedia.com where you can start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear we got tank tops we know it's getting hotter outside so we're gonna shred those layers so we got tank tops we got water bottles we got coffee mugs for those early morning risers we know about it we know about it and of course we got beach bags, all that good stuff. So be sure to head over to the website, start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear. Yes. Well, let's get started with the Cinemark deal. I mean, this one's huge. It's absolutely wild because it's shortening the theatrical release window a little bit. Cinemark has reached a new deal agreement with all five of the major studios that could help formalize a shorter theatrical window. Terms of the deal were not disclosed. We're not lucky enough to know those <laughs> deal arrangements. <laughs> But it comes after uh, COVID-19 has reshaped the amount of the time that the films will show exclusively on the big screen before making their at-home entertainment debuts. Now, Cinemark said it now has agreements with Warner Brothers Picture Group, the Walt Disney Company, Paramount Pictures, and Sony Pictures Entertainment. The company has signed a deal with Universal back in November. They were the first ones to do it. That enables the studio to put new movies on the premium video on-demand platform 17 days after they open in theaters. That's crazy. That's less than a month. Um, But films that generate at least... 50 million opening weekend ticket sales, however, must play exclusively in theaters for 31 days or for five full weekends. Now, the company said at this time things could change, but, I mean, that deal, that's crazy because, I mean, you think about it, it normally takes a movie at least like a month and a half, two months to get to DVD or a streamer. Yeah, and and so yeah, I got to figure with the other four majors that the deal is similar to the one with Universal. Yeah, I mean, so so what we just said about Universal is likely 
what is near or the same as with the other four. And look, though, we're talking about a handful of films, guys, because honestly, if we can get back to pre-level, right, if we can get back to pre-COVID levels, fucking every movie makes $100 million its opening weekend. Pretty much, right? How many don't do it anymore? I think this is a way to test the waters of, Will we ever get back to that point where everybody gets $100 million on opening weekend and you get those rare ones that don't, right? But this is really good for the theaters if we don't get back to pre-COVID levels. Yeah. I mean, so there you go. Well, like, I think it's good for it because unless you're a Marvel movie, you're not making $100 million opening weekend. I mean, think about it. Dumbo made $50 million and it, a good weekend is 30 to $40 million. Yeah, but so, I mean, I feel like the majority of the studio's major, like especially during the summer, if well, it, yeah. yeah, I mean, it, almost all of them make a hundred million in its opening weekend. If if not, they miss it just shot. They definitely make more than fifty million. When's the last time you've seen any major studio film not make fifty million on the opening weekend, unless it was in limited release? Yeah, I mean, so I feel like it's a good. It, it, like I said, but COVID, we're gonna have to see. I mean, you know, everything's opening back up, and will they ever get to the pre-COVID levels? That's the test. Exactly, it's so, all tests in the markets. It's what it's all about. Yeah. Okay, so we we have to talk about it. We're jumping to Disney, one of those majors, right? Disney. Guys, they I'm just telling you right now, nobody comes close to what Marvel is doing. Nobody. They have set the bar so damn high. Everybody's chasing it and nobody's going to catch it. Their trailer guys was better than some films. Like I mean, it was freaking epic. If you guys didn't see it, okay? The opening weekend excitement of seeing the movie on the big screen, right? Avengers Endgame. Everybody like, woo! Ah! Well, they capitalized on that with this trailer, which was insane. It basically opens up and it's saying, you come to the theater to the, for the joy of the excitement and the crowd and the people. And like, they're basically telling you this, right? And then they're showing you the entire 10 year prior history of all Marvel phases one, two, and three with clips from all of the movies. And they're doing all this dramatic stuff and they're showing you all the best parts. And then it happens. They go and they cut to inside the theater. It's Avengers Endgame. It's on your left. And the hammer comes flying into Cap, and he's like, Avengers assemble, and the crowd goes fucking wild. And th- this is Marvel's way, and I think Kevin Feige's way of saying, our shit is made for the theaters. That is where our shit is going. All of the Disney Plus shows are awesome, but they are meant to lead into our theater movies. And, and, and then they just went on. After that, they started showing you all of the Phase 4 films that were coming, guys. And, I mean, it's like literally everything. Ant-Man, Black Widow, The Marvels. Did you catch that? The Marvels, because it's hitting at all three Captain Marvels that are going to be in that film, right? So, uh, Spider-Man Far From Home, like so many. Guardians of the Galaxy 3, uh, Black Panther 2, which is called Wakanda Forever. Like, uh, all those, right? But And then it it ended with Fantastic Four. Fantastic Four, no release date, right? That's pretty epic, right? Fantastic Four, it ends on that, right? And then everybody started coming at, where's Blade? Where's Deadpool? Where's, it's like, with all that epicness, all that awesomeness, the one thing people are like, where's Deadpool 3? Where's Blade? Why weren't they in there? Like, what's going on? I'm like, 
what? I know. Just go back and watch the trailer. It's fucking epic. Just don't worry about what wasn't in there. Worry about what was in there. I mean, shit. Exactly. Because, I mean, we've already got confirmation that those projects are in the works. So, yeah. I mean, these projects were in the works before, like, all the shit went crazy. So, calm down, guys. Calm down. It's exactly. going to happen. And I feel like those might be phase five. Yeah. I, they never, I don't think they ever definitively said that Blade or Deadpool would be phase four. So, like, calm down, you know? I am. And then, though, on top of it, and this is just throwing it in there because, you know, they ended on Fantastic Four or whatever. Apparently, Krasinski and Blunt are in talks. Mm. Are, I you remember, guys, Emily Blunt way back in the day was offered and accepted Black Widow and had to pull out because of scheduling. Otherwise, she would have been Black Widow, not Scarlett Johansson. But I guess when they initially offered Fantastic Four, she said she didn't feel comfortable signing on to some like multi arc 10 year deal. Yeah. Which is, but apparently, Feige's not giving up. No. On the flip side, Krasinski said he's in. He's down. He wants to play Mr. Richards in the Fantastic uh, Four, whether she does it or not. So, I mean, but I think, though, don't you, don't you say, like if Krasinski signs on for Mr. Fantastic, old Reed Richards, and you don't bring Blunt in as Sue, like fail. Right. I mean, come on. Offer her the fucking Brinks truck. Just bag exactly. it up. Like, get it in Just there. Come give on. It to him. It's so exciting, though. It's so freaking exciting. And more exciting news Tom Hiddleston himself announced that his Disney Plus series, Loki, will be moving up two days. Now, he said Wednesdays are going to be the new Fridays. That's right, guys. Loki <laughs> is going to be released on Wednesdays instead of the usual Friday That's schedules right. that follow the shows uh, WandaVision and Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Now, Loki follows everyone's favorite god of mischief after the time-traveling shenanigans he got up into in uh, Avengers Endgame. That's right. So we're super excited about it. I'm excited to get uh, Owen Wilson in there because oh, yeah. he's hilarious. He's one of my favorites. So. Oh, absolutely. And, and why would he be mischievous exactly. why wouldn't it be on a wednesday instead of a friday because loki doesn't do anything the way it's supposed to exactly. be exactly well fuck friday we're going wednesday i mean you know come on it's loki i can't wait hey all right but there's other stuff from disney not marvel <gasps> what well, what? what what okay well apparently thomason mckenzie is going for the gold the young star is signed on to play olympic gold medalist carrie strug i remember this so well in searchlight pictures upcoming biopic Perfect. Mm. From director and executive producer Olivia Wilde. She is like killing it. She is like coming hardcore behind the scenes now, guys. Mackenzie, best known for her breakout performances in Leave No Trace and Jojo Rabbit, is going to portray Strug in the film, which is described as an intimate and unflinching portrait of grit and determination and tells the story behind Strug's historic Olympic vault, which secured America's first ever gold medal in team gymnastics during the 1996 Atlanta Games, uh, filming set to begin next year, early next year. Mm. If you guys don't remember this one, you remember Bella, the coach with the big mustache and everything, and the girl, she's got the sprained ankle and it's all wrapped up and she can barely walk, but she fucking does the vault anyway. She runs, she jumps, she does all of her flips, and she fucking sticks the landing Perfect. Like, like, you know how they normally land and then they bounce? No. Do, 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 do. Boom. Landed it. Gets the gold and then can't even walk. Bella's got to come carry her. How she lands on that busted ass ankle and doesn't move. And she's smiling the whole time because she knows presentation counts too. And she's like, ah. 
It's gonna be if you haven't seen it, if you weren't alive to do it, watch it and you'll go, holy shit, it's gonna be an epic movie, man. Yeah, I mean truly inspiring story, especially for all the young females out there oh, sh- to tell this story, it's gonna be epic. Yeah, and I just wanna know who they're gonna get to play Bella. Yeah, that mustache. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Oh man. But this next one we're so super excited about. Jesse Garcia is set to play Richard Monetes at the architect behind the flaming hot cheeto and annie <laughs> gonzalez is attached to play his wife judy eva longora a feature film debut about the flaming hot and now it's going to be at searchlight pictures the film tells the story of the true life story of richard and his frito laid janitor days who took on inspiration from his Mexican-American heritage to create flaming Hot Cheetos. The snack is distributed and disrupted the whole entire food industry and became a pop culture phenomena. So it's super exciting. We told you about this probably like a year ago. It's yeah. been a while. So yeah. they're just now casting, yep. which is interesting. Development hell, man. Development I, hell. I mean, seriously. But I'm excited about this one. It's kind of going to be like the founder, you know, with the whole McDonald's thing, but with this flaming Hot Cheeto. Like and like all corporations do, they, they tried to steal it from him. Yeah, I mean this janitor created. They tried to steal it. Exactly. <laughs> hey, you are you a fan of John David Washington, Mr. Denzel's son? Yeah, he's making quite the name for himself, and he's reteaming with New Regency. If you guys haven't heard, they're reuniting, and Washington is on board to star in Gareth Edwards' next film, True Love. Mm. Now, the film's an original sci-fi project written and directed by Godzilla Hilmer Gareth Edwards. Not much is known about the plot. At least it's not under wraps somewhere. They didn't say that. This one's out there somewhere. We'll find out about it. But not much is known about the plot other than it's being described as a near-future sci-fi story. Mm. Near-future. So, like, could be, like, Mars. Could be because we'll be on Mars in there. Near future. Exactly. So, I, mean, I love how him and his team are not afraid to take risks. Because, no, yeah. I mean, if, if you guys have seen any of his stuff, he's in so many different stuff. Sci-fi, like, I mean, whatever tent it was, I don't even know how to put that into a box. And I mean, Malcolm and Marie, yeah, oh like, my God. so freaking epic. I love what he's doing. Me too, man. Oh, me too. man. Uh, well, the Muppets will star in their first ever Halloween special. I can't believe that. I know, right? Uh, Muppets Haunted Mansion, dropping this autumn exclusively on Disney+. Plus. The special promises to feature a star-stubbed Muppet cast, likely appearances from Ozzy Bear, the Swedish chef, Sam the Eagle, Age Heckler's Stalter, and Waldorf, yes, and other beloved characters created by legendary man himself, Jim Henson, as well as celebrity cam- cameos and all-new music. Uh, per the logline, Muppet, uh, Muppet's Haunted Mansion takes place on Halloween night when Gonzo is challenged to spend one very daring night in the most grim, grinning place on Earth, a haunted mansion. <laughs> yeah. I, I just can't believe, like I said, at the time, that, that this is their first Halloween. Uh, all the years, all the decades the Muppets have been around, this is their first Halloween? Right. Like, w- I, wow. I know. Okay. All right, though. I'm in. I'm in. Um. I'm taking this next story because I don't want J-Lo to cry getting through it because he might. He might. So I'm going to take it. And for all you Grays fans, I'm sorry for breaking the news to you. But you probably already figured it out. Jesse Williams, who plays Surgeon Jackson Avery on Grays Anatomy, since the show's sixth season... 
Well, he's moving on, guys. He's moving on. He's leaving the medical drama at the end of this season. It's 17th. Uh, final episode titled Tradition will air on May 20th. Now, this season, if you guys are fans and you've been watching everything, you know he's kind of made all of his closures because he had some outstanding kind of relationships where they just weren't tidied up, okay? But he's been tidying them up with everybody, all right? Including his mother, Catherine, who's Debbie Allen, as you guys know. And his ex-wife, did you guys see? Sarah Drew, Kepner returned. Uh, kind of tidied that all up and everything. So he's now that he's got that done, he's out of there. Sorry, I know that's just another one that's leaving. Another All signs point to this show is gone. I'm just saying all, all signs are Yeah, it's to. very interesting because, I mean, they keep saying at the end of this season that implies there's going to be another one, which is very weird. But if you guys watched last night or whenever you're listening to this, the other night, um, <laughs> April's going with him to Boston. So that's yeah. really freaking cool. I'm hoping that the last episode of the season may, might, maybe might have rekindled their relationship a little bit. But it's kind of weird because if you have been watching his character development the whole time, he doesn't want want to be this guy so it's really it's an interesting choice uh for the plot so i mean you know maybe he was just trying to jump ship which i don't blame him he's trying to do other stuff he's a very talented individual yeah and very involved in activism so it makes sense it makes sense but for the character development eh well, I mean, according if you follow Sarah Drew on, on, on social media and everything, she sure implied that this is their happy ending, that they, they are indeed going to shore up that storyline and their couple. So hopefully, I think yeah. you're right. I, th- I mean, at least to her, that's what she thinks. Yeah. So <laughs> Who knows, man? Who knows? We'll find out in two weeks. In two weeks, we'll find out. That's right. Now, ABC has also renewed The Good Doctor for a fifth season. This comes by no surprise. The pickup comes a couple weeks ahead of the fourth season season finale. Now, the show is the first ABC scripted series to score a renewal for the 2021-2022 season. Now, The Good Doctor remains a reliable performer for ABC. Fact. The Freddie Highmore-led drama averages 8.4 million viewers per episode, including a week of delayed viewing. Now, it's 1.3 rating in the key ad demographic of adults 18 to 49. It's tied for fourth on the network. The medical drama also leads in its Monday time slot that both uh, ratings measure. So, I mean, it makes sense, man. I'm not surprised by this at all. No, absolutely not. You know why? Because ABC wants you to still be able to watch a medical drama when they get rid of Grey. Yeah, right. So, of course, they're going to keep renewing The Good Doctor. And it's good. I mean, it's a really good show. I, I mean, I love it. So, you know, good. Now, as JLo said, it was the first show renewed by ABC for the following season, right? For next season. But it wasn't the only. The second show to get a pickup, and I'm happy about this one, Big Sky. Big Sky's also been renewed for a second season at ABC. In addition, series executive producer Elwood Reed, he's going to take over the reins as showrunner from uh, David E. Kelly, who was the creator of it. Now, it's in good hands. Don't worry. You know, he's worked on The Bridge, Hawaii Five-0, a bunch of stuff. So it's going to be good. Um, season one's currently still airing, as you guys know, with the finale set for May 18th. Now, the series, if you guys don't know, Catherine Winnick. It stars Catherine Winnick from Vikings. You guys remember that? And Kylie Bunbury. Um, uh, and Cassie Well. In the series, the pair team up to search for two sisters who have been kidnapped by a truck driver on a remote highway. But 
when they discover that these are not the only girls who have disappeared in the area, they must race against the clock to stop the killer before another one's taken. Mm. I'm going to tell you right now, I'm just going to blow it because it was the most talked about like series premiere ever. Uh, they didn't race that clock quick enough because a lot of people died. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> and one of the stars died right out the fucking gate. Like, oh, didn't see that coming. I mean, it was crazy. Yeah. Uh, Ryan Philippine, you guys know. So uh, I'm happy, though. I like this show. I think it's a great show. And I'm excited to see where it goes in season two. Yeah, right. Very interesting. Well, Freeform is rounding out its uh, series regular cast for Everything's Trash. It's half-hour dramedy, <laughs> drama, comedy, pilot, starring and written a Written and executive produced by Phoebe Robinson. Uh, Jordan Carlos from First Wives Club. Uh, Tokara Cash from Station 19 and Younger. Uh, Nikia Okofor from God Friended Me. And Moses Storm from Sunnyside will join Robinson in the pilot. Uh, additionally, we got Choik Naser uh, from Little America High F- and High Fidelity has been mm. tapped to direct and co-executive produce the pilot. Now, the series follows Phoebe, who's played by Robinson, a 30-something podcast star navigating her messy life. But when her younger brother, Jaden, emerges as a leading politician, she is forced to grow up real quick. And so she realizes on her friends, or she relies on her friends and close-knit family to help her figure out adulthood since she doesn't have a damn clue. Mm. So it's going to be very interesting, man. Yeah, she don't want to be that skeleton in the politician's uh, uh, closet, she you know, she, she wants to clean that shit up. Exactly. All right, and now in the most r- ridiculous story, because of course it is. I don't know why Hulu felt like they had to announce this because it's just common knowledge, yeah. I would think. But Hulu announced it anyway that the season four premiere episode of The Handmaid's Tale ranks as the streamer's most watched original for either a film or TV series season debut during the course of this week. Now, the season four premiere doubles as the series most viewed as well. The show currently ranks as the number one series of video on demand series overall on Hulu since launching last week on April 28th. Duh. Yeah, right. Duh. And duh. (laughs) Like, this is a huge hit for Hulu. We all know it. Every time it comes on, it's always number one. Exactly. We get it. We get it. We understand. It's, we, we understand. Number one show you promote it the most. We get it. Yeah. So funny. Well, going over to Fox, staying with Disney, Fox, or Disney's little umbrella Fox, uh, Mayans NC, you guys know the Sons of Anarchy spinoff, has been renewed for a fourth season over at FX, and the news comes ahead of the season three finale, which is set to air May 11th, mm. and now season four of the outlaw biker drama is set to air in 2022, so I mean, not too far away. Well, there you go. No, yeah, not too bad at all. Now, they've also ordered the drama series The Cleaning Lady for the 2021-2022 season. The one-hour uh, show was originally ordered to pilot last year, but production was delayed because of the pandemic. Now, this one I'm super freaking pumped about because it stars Elodie Young. Now, why does that name sound familiar? Electra from Daredevil. Yeah. Yes. So she's fantastic. She's going to star as Thawney, a whip-smart doctor who comes to the U.S. for medical treatment to save her ailing son. But when the system fails and pushes her into hiding, she refuses to be beaten down or marginalized. Instead, she becomes a cleaning lady for the mob and starts playing the game by her own rules. Mm. Now, along with Young, the show stars Adam Sinto in the role of Armand. 
Martha Millian in the role of Fiona, and twins Sebastian and Valentino LaSalle, who will share the role of Luca. Nice. Now, I'm guessing that's the son. Right. <laughs> um, I, I mean, yeah, you knew she had to be a badass. You're yeah. not You're not going to put Electra in it if she's not going to kick some people's asses. So uh, I'm excited about Yeah, this. exactly. Like, I mean, I've never heard anything like that before. So new stories, man. New stories. Yeah. We love it. Now, this next one sounds a little familiar, and I'll let you know what I think it is at the end. Uh, Fox has ordered a country music drama series, Monarch. Now, for the 2021-2022 broadcast season from executive producer and creator melissa london halfers now the show will feature original songs and covers per logline the one hour drama is a texas size multi-generational musical drama about a family's first or america's first family of country music the romans now they are fiercely talented but their name is defined with honesty the very foundation of their success is a lie though now when their reign of country royalty is put in jeopardy nikki roman the heir to the crown already battling an industry stacked against her will stop at nothing to protect her family's legacy Hmm. sounds like empire it does sound like a country version of sounds like empire yeah Hmm. Hmm. Yeah. and what was that what was that um the the Nashville. It sounds like a mix between Empire and Nashville. No. Like, right? Like, yeah. 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 We just applauded you for doing something awesome with Cleaning Lady and then. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> All right. Let's jump to it. Warner Media. How are they trying to keep up with Disney's Marvel? Well, they can't. But they're trying anyway. Now, we told you about this on a, on a previous show a couple of months ago, but we're, we're coming back to it. After enlisting Tanishi Coates to write the upcoming Superman film, Warner Brothers is now searching for its director and star as it kickstarts the next phase of its DC universe. Now... They confirmed when they announced this that it will indeed, the next Superman film being written by Tenoshi Coates is going to feature a black Superman. Mm. Fact. It's going to be a black Superman. Now, sources say that J.J. Abrams, who's producing the film, not among the possibilities being considered for director. But instead, Warner and DC are committed to hiring a black director to tackle what will be the first cinematic incarnation of Superman featuring a black actor. So, at the top of the list, who do you want? Ryan Coogler, Stephen Capel Jr., which was uh, the director of Creed II, J.D. Dillard, Regina King, and Shaka King, who is popular right now with Warner Brothers thanks to uh, Judas and the Black Messiah and his Oscar nomination for that. So, let's rule out one, obviously. Ryan Coogler, not going to happen. He's a non-starter for the obvious reasons that he's hard on work at Black Panther Wakanda Forever 2. Seems to be pretty sure locked up with Marvel, and that's not even coming out until July 8th of 2022. So he's full steam ahead on that. Rule him out, right? Now, sources also say that the Superman films appear to be moving onto its own track and won't be part of the DC Extended Universe as of now. They could change their mind on that. But the sources also say that Coates is crafting a Kal-El Clark Kent in the vein of the original Superman comics and will have the protagonist hail from Krypton and come to Earth. While the story is currently being crafted and many details could change... One option in consideration is for the film to be in the 20th century. So, like, same era as Christopher Reeve's Superman and stuff. My question is, why are you going all all this way to say it's not going to be part of the DCEU and then say, but it is going to be Clark Kent and it is going to be Kal-El and he's going to be from Krypton and he's going to come to Earth? 
I don't get it. You guys already have a black Superman. Exactly. He's on a different planet. He's, you know, you're trying to do this multiverse, right? You guys have done it great on TV with Flash and everything, right? The Crisis on Infinite Earths and all that. You have a black Superman. Why do you need to, his name is Kelvin Ellis, and he's a badass black Superman. Why do you have to, like, create a black Clark Kent or, or Kal-El? I don't get it. Just use the black Superman that you already have. I, exactly. I don't get it. Exactly. Well, my theory, I mean, like we talked about off the show, uh, I think Warner Brothers is afraid to take a chance on a lesser known storyline. That's uh, that's really what I think it is. I mean, everybody knows the Clark Kent storyline, so let's go with that one. But sometimes that can be beaten into the fucking yeah, ground. Yeah. I, so. I mean, I just, I, I don't, I don't, I'm all for diversity. I'm all for you guys doing a black Superman film. I think that's epic. I hate when you change a character to meet the diversity. Exactly. You have a black Superman. Use the black Superman. That's all I'm saying. I get it if there doesn't exist one. Like, there's not a black Mary Jane, right? So that's fine that they did Zendaya as Mary Jane. That's great. That's great. But if you have an existing character and you just change a white character to make them black just for the sake of doing that, I think that's just dumb. Exactly. Just, yeah, I mean, I don't know. Especially when you have the character. Like exactly. we said, just tell the fucking story. It's a news story. Let's tell <laughs> I it. I mean, the, the creator behind Black Superman, behind Kelvin Ellis, is probably like, what the fuck? We have a Black Superman. Like, exactly. Just, Hello. Exactly. <laughs> well, going over to the CW, they have picked up the freshman series Kung Fu for its second season and handed out a third season yes. to DC's Stargirl ahead yes. of its sophomore debut. This comes as the network continues to look for stability and its scripted lineup, bringing the number of renewals for the 2021-2022 season to 15, with only The Republic of Sarah, which launches in June, is still pending. So we're going to see how that one goes. And I mean, you know. So everything got renewed. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah, we're just... You're get, we've talked about this before, though. If you're on the CW, you, you can bank that you're getting at least multiple seasons. If yeah. you land a starring gig on a CW show, you're feeling good. That's all I'm saying. Exactly. Um, speaking of, The Flash is making its 150th. See, they last a while, guys. Uh, an episode, and it's going to be even bigger because the family affair with the return of a fan-favorite character who was last seen on the season 5 finale of the CW drama. Nora's coming back, guys. XS, you know, played by Jessica Parker Kennedy. She's their daughter, Barry and Iris's daughter, which is going to be really cool because Bart's coming, their son from the future. It's going to be like a big-ass whole family. All right. But she's going to rejoin the show for multiple episodes of its currently airing seventh season, including the milestone 150th, which is now in production in Vancouver. And as we just mentioned, the series already been renewed for season eight. Yeah, buddy, it's super exciting. But while one is returning, The Flash is bidding farewell to two of its original cast oh, members, yeah. Tom Cavanaugh and Carlos Valdez. Valdez, who played Cisco Raymond, uh, will end his run as a series regular after the CW drama's current seventh season with an appearance in the finale. Now, Cavanaugh, who has played, uh, I don't even know, Eobard, Eobard Thawne, uh, a.k.a. Reverse Flash, as well as various versions of Harrison Wells quietly ended his series regular run with uh, episode 3 of season 7, Mother, which wrapped the outstanding season 6 storylines. 
but he has continued on the show as a recurring guest star. Yep. Online listing indicate that Kavanaugh might appear in episodes 9 and 10 and possibly beyond. His final appearance is this season is being kept a surprise, so we don't know which episode. There are no current plans for Kavanaugh to continue on the show beyond that, though. But there are uh, a couple of possibilities of bringing him back and Valdez back. Be- back is doing like guest stints so that would be kind of cool i yeah yeah cisco was supposed to leave a while ago that rumor popped out there a while ago so i'm surprised it's just now happening that's gonna suck because he's like the epic guy on that series he's the one dropping all the he's the one who names all the villains yeah he's the one who drops all the superhero like yeah i'm gonna miss him i'm gonna miss ramon all right the CW released – oh, guys, did you see this one? I'm super pumped about this one. The CW released the first look at Azzy Tesfaf's Guardian, who's going to appear in the sixth and final season of Supergirl. Kelly Olsen, Jimmy's sister, if you guys don't know, will take on the mantle of Guardian in the second half of the final season. The series previously hinted that Kelly would take up the mantle left by her brother James, which will become the fruition in the upcoming episode Blind Spots. Now, co-written by Tesfasi and co-producer Jay Holtham – the episode is said to address racial inequality, and Arrow star David Ramsey is going to direct it and reprise his role of John Diggs. Nice. Why is that important, guys? Because remember, he's going to be Green Lantern. They're going to finally introduce him as Green Lantern in the Arrowverse. Will that spin over into the HBO series? We don't know. I'm sure as fuck hoping so. Right. But anyway, we're going to finally see him in that. And if you guys didn't see the picture, it's comic book accurate, unlike Jimmy's Guardian costume or whatever this is the gold and the blue with the shield and the hell it's badass she looks badass check it out if you haven't seen it guys definitely definitely well now elizabeth olsen is heading to hbo max for her next television project <gasps> olsen will top line love and death mm. a limited series about a notorious murder in texas back in 1980 and the series from Lionsgate television uh counts david e kelly nicole kidman and director uh leslie linka later uh, among its producing team Olsen will play Candy Montgomery who was convicted of murdering her neighbor and friend Betty Gore with an axe now love and death is based on the book evidence of love a true story of passion and death in the suburbs uh, by John Bloom and Jim Atkinson so mm. damn that sounds really intense she's gonna be badass I mean Lizzie's fantastic in anything she does and so this is actually the second project about this story elizabeth moss we talked about it a couple weeks ago is doing one mm. uh playing this same character so ooh, right who's just gonna be better battling i out. love elizabeth moss don't get me wrong i've loved her since west wing but it's lizzie yeah well i'm going lizzie all the way agreed um <laughs> jessica williams and chris powell have joined love life season two at hbo max The pair joins William Jackson Harper, who will star in season two of the anthology series. Now, in addition, Rochelle Williams has come on board as an executive producer and co-showrunner alongside Sam Boyd and Bridget Bedard, while Janet Hubert, Jordan Rock, and Maya Kazan have all joined the show as well. Season two is going to focus on Marcus Watkins as he comes out of years-long relationship with the woman he thought he was going to be his person. Mm. Sadly, not. The rug pulled out from underneath him. He's plunged back into the search for the woman and the romantic filament that he thought he already had. Damn. Oh, I mean, it happens just to look- all of yeah. us, buddy. We're all just looking for love, man. <laughs> We're all just looking for love. Well, Ada Osman, uh, Chameleon, and Jonica Booth have been cast in Israe's half-hour comedy Rap Shit on yes. HBO Max. 
the Warner Media streaming platform has also revealed that Shade Clacken Joseph will be directing the pilot episode. Per the logline, the eight ep- eight partner follows two estranged high school friends from Miami, Shoana and Maya, who reunite to form the rap group. Hmm. So I'm excited. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of those shows, like, where they reunite to form their groups again. Exactly. All right. Uh, Season three of HBO's big hit, Succession, is coming together. Alexander Skarsgård is apparently signed on for a recurring guest star role in the upcoming third season. He joins Shana Lathan, Linda Amand, and Jahi with recurring roles in season three. Now, Skarsgård will, accordingly, uh, according to sources, play Lucas Matson, a successful confrontational tech founder and CEO. Production on the pandemic delayed season is currently underway, but we don't have a premiere date yet. It's mm. going to be determined. So, very Scarscart's badass. It's yeah, going to be good. Exactly, exactly. Well, as HBO's Insecure heads into its fifth and final season, showrunner and executive producer uh, Patrice uh, Penny, Pentrice Penny, has lined up its his latest project at HBO the premium cabler has put in development a single camera half hour comedy from Penny in in the untitled project convicted felon TR the brick Johnson who once was one of America's most beloved athletes uh, grovels at the feet of America and the charm his way back into our hearts. Oh. Yeah. Oh. So that's going to be interesting. So something happened. So yeah, got right? down and out, bottomed out. All right. It's trying to get back. Fair enough. Fair enough. And now in the story of the week that was like, duh, again, like even more duh than, than Handsmaid's Tales, Conan is coming to an end on June 24th. Everybody all over social media is like, what? Uh? He announced this forever ago, guys. Exactly. He announced that he was leaving forever ago. This comes more than 10 years after the former host of The Tonight Show kicked off his show on TBS. The final weeks of the show are going to include a lineup of special guests. And the finale will be an extended hour-long finale because, remember, he changed format a few a couple of years ago and went to half hour. It's going to be an hour-long finale um, that will look back at his lengthy light, late night, not light night, late <laughs> night career. Now, don't worry. He's not leaving HBO. He's not going anywhere. They've got him signed up. Conan's next is going to turn his focus to develop a weekly variety show for HBO Max as part of his new deal under Warner Media. Team Coco will produce the new HBO Max weekly show, and the company's already in business with the streamer, making a series of stand-up specials featuring comedians Chris Redd and Moses Storm. So there you go. He's exactly. not going anywhere. He's just ending the show that he said he was going to end like two years ago. It's fine. Exactly. It's fine. Exactly. Well, if you guys listen to this show, we've announced this before, that yeah. he's starting a whole new show, which probably put this other one in jeopardy yes but it makes sense it makes sense now heading over to the i viacom cbs paramount pictures has closed a three-year first look deal development deal with the one and only ryan reynolds yes maximum efforts production the deal covers motion picture development for all maximum effort projects at all budget levels Mm. now Reynolds launched Maximum Effort back in 2018 following the successful collaboration efforts with uh, Jen Giannopoulos and Emma for on the first two Deadpool films. So 
It makes sense, man. It makes sense. It does. Now, remember, guys, they're at Paramount now, but they were at 20th Century Fox. Yeah, exactly. They're the ones who greenlit Deadpool and finally said, okay, Ryan, do it the right way. It only makes sense that they would team up with him in part. Yeah. They've made a boot coup of money together. It only makes sense. Hey, Justin Hartley, that guy from This Is Us, also Green Arrow. Yeah, I remember that. Smallville. Do you? Okay. All right. <laughs> Justin Hartley and Guri Rice, Sam Richardson, Zoe Chow, Mary Holland, and Chris Parnell are all set to join Rebel Wilson in the high school comedy senior year with Alex Hardcastle on board to direct. Now, the story apparently follows a cheerleader who wakes up after a 20-year coma and returns to high school to try to regain her status mm. and claim the prom queen crown that eluded her. Interesting. I don't see this as a comedy, but uh, you know, you know, Rebel Wilson. Maybe that's why. Have you seen Rebel Wilson lately? She looks like a cheerleader. She does. A uh, man. She looks fantastic lately. She's lost so much weight and kind of like gotten slow. Oh my gosh. Maybe it was for this movie. Yeah. I don't you know. You never know. You never know. Well, Jamie McShane is joining CBS CSI Vegas mm. in a recurring role. Additionally, uh, Paul Gilfoyle. Gilfoyle. Whatever the fuck. Uh, <laughs> who played Jim Brass in the original CSI, uh, will be returning to reprise his role in the sequel series, appearing in two episodes, also coming back as another fan favorite CSI cast member, Wallace Lungham, uh, reprising his role as David Hodge. Ooh, yeah, I like. I, it's smart to bring back uh, obviously Gil Grissom and, and, and you know the, all the mains are coming back, so that's going to be awesome. But I'm excited for this one. I, I want to see where the story picks up now and where they're all going at. So, all right. Hey, Janine Garofalo, Emmy nominee. Janine Garofalo, I'm super pumped about this, is joining season, uh, the fifth season of Showtime's drama, Billions. I'm a huge Billions fans guy. You guys know that. I talk about it all the time. The first seven episodes of season five aired, seems like forever ago, because it was last year in May, and we're still waiting for the back half of mm. season five, which, come on, come on. Um, it's, it's set to return and complete its fifth season later this year. Now, in season five, if you guys don't remember... Uh, Bobby Axelrod and Chuck Rhodes see their vicious rivalry reignited with new enemies rise and take aim. Chuck feuds with a formidable district attorney, played by Roma Mafia. Taylor Mason, played by Asia Kate uh, Dillon, is forced back into Axe Capital, where Taylor must fight to protect their employees and their assets. Wendy, played by Maggie Siff, as you guys know, reevaluates her loyalties and forges a surprising new alliance that put her at odds with both Chuck and Axel. What? Uh. What? Uh Uh-oh. And uh, Garofalo is going to play apparently somebody named Winslow, a hip owner of a legal cannabis corporation. Interesting. Because Bobby is totally going to be like, yeah. 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 (laughs) I mean, come on. He's a billionaire. He buys whatever the fuck he wants. He's he's like, I need to have some weed, man. So funny. So funny. (laughs) Well, I had never to the Peacock, NBC (laughs) Universal. NBC has ordered yet another dun-dun spinoff Law & Order franchise, Law & Order for the Defense. Now, this will be a legal drama that will take an inside look at a criminal defense firm. The opposite side of the table from creator Dick Wolf's usual procedural series 
Wolf will executive produce the series along with Carol Middleson as, as the showrunner of uh, CBS CSI series uh, for 14 years when Law & Order for the Defense launches next season and recent entry Law & Order Organized Crime is renewed. It will bring Dick Wolf's network series tally to nine-hour dramas on network television. Yeah, yeah. Can Busy you motherfucker. I know, because he's got all the Law and Orders, right? He's got all the Chicago shows, and then he's got the two FBI shows on CBS, and this guy's just killing it, yeah. man. Like, what the hell, bro? No. Like, leave some for somebody else, all right? All right. Hey, I'm excited about this one because I'm old, and I remember the original Night Court. Yes. Yes. All right. NBC has formally given a pilot order. We talked about this, but now it's official. They've formally given the order to the spinoff Night Court. Led by original series star John Larroquette. And get this, guys. Big Bang Theory's Melissa Roch. She's going to join the cast. The pilot is being penned by Dan Rubin, who will serve as both executive producer and the writer on the reboot. Now, if you guys remember, if you're old like me, the original series aired on NBC from 1984 to 1992. How long ago was that? I was 14. I'm just going to leave that there. Yeah. It starred Harry Anderson as an offbeat judge who worked in the late shift at a Manhattan courthouse. Now, Roch from uh, Melissa Roch from uh, Big Bang Theory, she's going to play his daughter, and she's going to be in the same role. She's going to be playing the judge of that court. She presides over the same court as her dad did and tries to bring order to its crew of oddballs and cynics, most notably former night court prosecutor Dan Fielding, who is John Larroquette. Mm. So I don't know what role he's going to be in. I don't know if he's going to be like the DA now or like, you know, but I, I loved the original and I'm excited about this one, especially since Melissa Roch is going to be involved. And apparently her husband is a part of it too. Like, so that's going to be awesome. Very interesting, man. Very interesting. Well, La Brea, we've been talking about this one the past couple weeks on the show. The new NBC series from writer David Applebrom is bringing production to Australia. The Universal Group said that the upcoming drama series is moving to Australia for principal photography, visual effects, and post-production. The overseas Cross is part of a larger effort by Universal to invest in high-end scripted series in the country. Now, oh. in La Brea, a massive sinkhole mysteriously opens up in Los Angeles, tearing a family apart by separating the mother, mother and son from the father and daughter. We've told you about this one. All the crazy shit happens. Earthquakes, stay safe, blah, blah, blah. But yeah, man, I mean, Australia, that's really exciting. Beautiful place, I can only imagine. But, you know, that's where... T. Hanks got COVID, so it's always scary. Yeah, and it makes total sense when an earthquake opens up in Los Angeles that you film it in Australia. Yeah, you know. I mean, <laughs> why not? Hey, some sad news, but I, I don't think unexpected. I think everybody saw this coming. NBC and Lily Singh will end her late night program a little late with Lily Singh after two years. The latest sign that TV networks are rethinking how to handle a widening array of wee hour programs while viewing habits shift. Now, Singh is signed a first look deal with Universal Television so she's not going anywhere okay she's going to develop unscripted projects she also heads Unicorn Island Productions and intends to focus on projects under that banner mm. A Little Late airs weeknights at 1.35am following Damn. The Tonight Show with Jimmy Fallon and Late Night with Seth Meyers NBC did not immediately announce whether another program would replace Sings but the network is believed to be considering options other than talk shows 
That's crazy. Yeah, That's Carson crazy Daly. Thing. Yeah, yeah. Remember, he was there before. Like, like he used to follow that, like that one thirty-five spot. Like, what the fuck? Right. I mean, That's ooh. super late. That's wild. I, I, I just thought you would go to infomercials after fucking one thirty-five. Right. Like, I mean, like you know, hey, but it worked for Carson Daly for a little while. So yeah, you know, you know. Oh man, I'm super excited about this because the Queen's Gambit star Anya Taylor Joy and Keegan Michael Key will be making their Saturday Night Live debuts as a host. Now, it's going to be obviously for this 46th season. NBC revealed the lineup for the final two episodes of the current cycle on Monday. Uh, Key will make his Studio 8H debut on May 15th, where he will take the stage alongside driver's license singer Olivia Rodrigo, now who serves as the musical guest. The following week is Taylor Joy commands the stage with Lil Nas X. That should be a good show. Uh, who will also make his Saturday Night Live debut? So that's really cool. The yeah. two actors are close off. Uh, uh, the two actors will close off the season, which has featured a number of first-time hosts, including Regina King, Issa Rae. Uh, Timothy Chamlet, uh, Daniel Kalua, and most recently, Carrie Mulligan. Now, Saturday Night Live returns to NBC this week with Tesla CEO uh, Elon Musk to host and uh, Miley Cyrus returning as musical guest. We've had a lot of commentary about how this show will go. I think it's going to be awful. I think so too, especially since the majority of the cast doesn't want him there. Yeah, that's going to be interesting. I mean, I are they just going to there stand and not do their lines or like not to? I mean, I don't know, but boy, they. Mm. Yeah, I'm tuning in just to see what they do. Yeah, exactly. I mean, like, I mean you just need somebody in the entertainment industry. I feel like uh, this yeah. guy is a businessman. You don't bring Jeff Bezos to Saturday Night Live. Like, no. Why you don't bring Robert Iger? Like, it, I don't know. It's weird. No. No, the last time they did this was Brandon Tartikoff, I think, who was the head of NBC mm. when it was in its heyday in the '80s with the Cosby Show, and they were like the number one network. Yeah. Like nobody could. They had him host. Brandon had some personality, so it was okay, but like it yeah. wasn't great. Yeah. I mean, just I don't know. Very don't interesting. Know. Hey, it's Sony jumping over to Sony, and surprise, surprise, Sony's giving something away because no every shit. time we talk, that's they're either delaying something or giving something away. That's all Sony does. Sony's retelling of Cinderella starring Camilla Cabello as the classic princess is skipping its planned theatrical debut. The film will instead be given over to Amazon Prime Video later this year. Now, it's unclear when the movie, which had already been delayed once due to the pandemic, will land on Amazon. Sony originally intended to open Cinderella on the big screen this July, but the studio opted to license the film instead to Amazon Prime because movie theater attendance has not been returned to pre-pandemic levels. Sony will, however, retain the rights to show it in China. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> okay. Now, this next one I'm super excited about because yes. I love this story, and I know you do too. Uh, Epics has greenlit Billy the Kid, an hour-long series about the famous American outlaw, written by Vikings and the Tudors creator Michael Hurst. Otto Bathurst will direct the first two episodes of the eight-episode first season. Oh, interesting. Yeah. The one season that we're trying to plan out. The series is described as an epic romantic adventure based on the life of Billy the Kid, also known as William H. Bonney. From his humble Irish roots as an 
uh, early early days as a cowboy and gunslinger in the American frontier to his pivotal role in the Lincoln County War and beyond, probably introducing Pat Garrett and all that good shit. Oh, yeah. I love this story. Me too. Unfortunately, you know, that uh, because, you know, this guy's not involved with young guns or whatever, I was going to be epic if it was old Emilio again, like it's old so Billy the Kid, yeah, you know, narrating it. Like, yeah. but no, that's not going to happen. But can we do another young guns? Because I would totally be down for another young guns. Right. That'd be so awesome. Hell yeah. I'm with you, though. I love the story. I think it's just going to be great. Hey, Lost... But uh, no, no, I'm gonna save that. <laughs> Lost to love Harold Pernu, whose by the way daughter is on uh, Prodigal Son, is kicking ass. Also, uh, will lead the cast of From, From, yeah, From, From what? Well, let me tell you, Epics' contemporary sci-fi horror series created by John Griffin. He's reuniting with Lost director, executive producer Jack Bender, who is set to direct the first four episodes. Now. From unravels the mystery of a nightmarish town in the middle America that traps all of those who enter. As the unwilling residents fight to keep a sense of normalcy and search for a way out, they must also survive the threats of surrounding forest, including the terrifying creatures that come out when the sun goes down. Pyrenew will play Boyd Stevens, the sheriff whose draconian rules have held the fragile town together, even as he searches for a way to escape the seemingly inescapable nightmare. This sounds like a weird mix between The Wizard of Oz and WandaVision. Right? I'm just saying. I'm just saying. You right? know where you know where Harold was featured? From Lost. <laughs> <laughs> From Lost. <laughs> yeah. That was, good shit. that was a dad joke. It was. It was. Jumping over to Lionsgate. All right, now on to Netflix. <laughs> uh, if you guys have seen, Netflix has dropped a new trailer for season four of Stranger what? Things. It was epic. And as the series always proves time and time again, not everything as what it seems. Now, season three finale closed with the beloved Jim Hopper, who is played by David Harbour. Obviously, if you don't know that, where have you been all these years? That's right. Uh, seemingly supposed to be dead. But the Byers family leaving town and the Russians' facility destroyed, at least for now. The new teaser proves that things have gone airy since then. Now, for one, Eleven, who's played by Millie Bobby Brown, appears to be locked behind a door in a very uh, sort of institution that she was raised in. Eleven. Are you listening? A voice says, causing her eyes to shoot wide open. The voice is assumed to be Papa, a.k.a. Dr. Martin Berner, mm. uh, the former scientist at the U.S. Department of Energy who raised and tested subjects at Hawkins Lab, including Eleven. Much of the clip uh, surveys a grip playroom of children that mirror Eleven from season one. Now, they all don shaved heads and hospital gowns while playing with various games and toys. They are interrupted when a white-haired man in a gray suit enters, only shown from behind, so we don't know who he is. They claim, or they call him Papa. Season 4 will take place in Russia, uh, whose evil masterminds have continually been behind the unfolding Cold War era chaos in Hawkins. Mm. No, that's really deep. So, what the fuck? Yeah, who, I mean, who is Papa? Exactly. And are we going to see more of the kids or if it's going to be taking place majority in Russia, is Eleven going to be around just her and not the other kids? Like, it's very interesting. And is our favorite sheriff 
actually the guy in the suit. Yeah. Ooh, or they call him twist. Papa. Plot twist. Oh, shit. Yeah, right? right? Like, maybe he ain't dead. Maybe he's been over there in some kind of weird fucking shit, and he's like Papa now. Yeah. Uh-oh. Yeah, well, we did see that he was not dead. But, right. yeah, I like, mean, but for him to be like, it'd be like Winter Soldier brainwash type that shit. That would be crazy. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Hell Hydra. Yeah. <laughs> Now, Netflix has also signed Blake Lively, and who doesn't love Blake Lively, to star in and produce Lady Killer, based on the Dark Horse comic series. Oscar-winning scribe Diablo Cody. Wait, wait. Blake Lively and Diablo Cody? Get Mm. the fuck out of that. That's going to be awesome. (laughs) Okay, she's attached to adapt the screenplay. Lively will play Josie Schuller. By all appearances, she is the perfect 1950s housewife. But when she's not catering to the needs of her family, she's actually leading a secret life as a highly trained killer for hire. She really likes the second job, and her husband has no idea. Damn. I think that's going to be badass. I think so, too. I would love to see Blake Lively as a freaking assassin stay-at-home mom. So so she's like her husband now. Yeah, right. It's like a merc. Exactly. A merc with a mouth. (laughs) I don't know. Deadpool Uh, and her might get together. You don't know. You never know. That'd be awesome. You never know. Well, Netflix and Riot Games are teaming up for an animated series in the League of Legends universe. Arcane. Now, it's being billed as an event series and is set to premiere in the fall, and it will tell the origin stories of two iconic lead champions and the powerful that are the power that will eventually tear them apart. And the show is Riot Games' first TV series. The game maker is producing with uh, Forchi Productions. Sure. So very interesting, man. I mean, you guys know Netflix is really trying to hop on that animation bandwagon. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Now, Tyler Perry, who's everywhere, and rightfully so, is rounding out the cast of his new Netflix film, A Jazz Man's Blues. Amira Van, Austin Scott, Malua Jackson, Brent Atelu, Brent Brad Benedict, Cario Marcel, Lana Young, and Ryan Eggold have boarded the movie. They joined the previously announced cast members Joshua Boone and Soleil Pfeiffer, written and directed by Perry himself, because as he does for all of his movies, a Jasmine's Blues unravels 40 years of secrets and lies in a tale of forbidden love and family drama, soundtracked by Juke Joint Blues in the Deep South. Perry actually, now here's the interesting thing, guys. He actually penned this thing 26 years ago. Damn. It's the first thing he ever wrote wow and now it's finally like how awesome is that right i mean that's 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 one you just stick in a drawer and and have for it to happen exactly wait for the right time so good so good well netflix has rounded out its cast for from scratch in addition to terrell carter from empire we got meldalona rami and we got jonathan del arco peter mendoza and lorenzo posan and Jonathan D. King, the crew of actors, will occur, reoccur in the project with from Reese Witherspoon's Hello Sunshine and Zoe Shaldana's uh, banners. Join previously announced cast members uh, Saldana are well, just a lot. Just a lot. <laughs> I mean, you guys know we've talked about this one before, so stay tuned for that. It's super exciting. Netflix trying to put out that new content. Yes, yes. I mean, the story sounds interesting. So, hey, not all good news for Netflix, though. The Irregulars, well, they've been canceled. Yeah. The news comes just over a month after the series debuted yeah. on March 26th. Rip. Set in Victorian London, the series follows a gang of troubled street teens who are manipulated into solving crimes for the sinister Dr. Watson and his mysterious business partner, the elusive Sherlock Holmes. Now, see, that's why it failed. Yeah, 
Exactly. I mean, when you have BBC's Sherlock on the same platform, no shit. You can't fuck with Sherlock. That's true. Okay, you can't make them bad guys. You can't make them bad guys. No. It was never going to work. Exactly, exactly. And also, Netflix, what the hell? Why are you taking Sherlock off of Netflix? (laughs) That's so fucking stupid. I'm just saying. Now, heading over to Amazon, they will gain new rights to Thursday Night Football one year earlier than they expected. Given the digital giant exclusive access to the NFL property in 2022 instead of in 2023. Now, the NFL's pact with Amazon marks the first time that the league has awarded exclusive game rights to a streaming outlet. Uh, The new terms means that Fox will drop its rights for Thursday night games after one more season. Wow, that's Mm. interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, Amazon Prime Video will carry 15 Thursday night games and one preseason game per year throughout, uh, wow, 2032 season. Each game will also be televised in uh, participating teams' home markets. Now, from had or Fox had been in the midst of a five-year pack valued for over more than six hundred and fifty million per year. Now Amazon is expected to double that figure as part of the new agreement, and it struck with the NFL back in March. Holy shit! So it's an eleven-year because it's twenty twenty-one, right? And it's going through twenty thirty-two. Wow. So so yeah, eleven years and double, so one point two, one point three million per year for 11 years so that's a pretty like you know damn exclusively on amazon too people are gonna have to get amazon if they want to watch football on thursday night yeah yeah and i I miss 1.2 billion per year yeah exactly for 11 years yeah man amazon because they don't have enough money i mean that's wow 11 billion dollars to show thursday night football what damn what damn what kudos to y'all man that's crazy and they're making that they're not paying that they're making that because amazon needs money yeah right (laughs) what the rich get richer this is why people say that the rich get richer i'm just saying all right every time hey a crew of eight actors are going to join season two's cast of amazon's drama the wilds Mm. set to appear in the sophomore season are zach calderon uh aiden lapertre nicholas coombe charles alexander miles Gute Riley, uh, Reed Shannon, Tanner Ray Rook, and Alex Fizalon. They will join returning cast members Rachel Griffiths, Dallas, D- D- B- 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 David Sullivan, Troy Winbush, Sophia Ali, Sarah Pigeon, Jenna Claus, Erna James, Mia Healy, Howard Green, and everybody else under the sun. Now, season two is apparently going to continue to follow the herring ordeal of the eight teenage girls stranded on a deserted island under mysterious circumstances. The new season will also, however, focus on a new group of survivors, all boys, Mm. who find themselves in the same perilous situation. Now, both groups will be forced to navigate emotional and physical obstacles in the face of their extreme circumstances. Well, damn. Very interesting. Where's Jeff Probst when you need him? Exactly. He'd get him off this fucking thing. Done. Boom. This is just Survivor. I mean, come on. (laughs) It's just Survivor, guys. You're fine. so funny. (laughs) Well, uh, Ken Jeong is set to star in Shoot the Moon, a half-hour dramedy about uh, life's failures that is in works at Amazon with uh, Daniel Day Kim producing. Yeah. The series follows Michael, who is going to be played by Ken, a son of Korean immigrants who has achieved the American dream and 
suddenly finds the illusory uh, when his marriage and career fall apart, propelling him on a quest to reevaluate and rebuild his life. Mm. I love that. Especially from an Asian perspective. Absolutely. Absolutely. Boy, there's a lot of stories about people losing their loves. I know. It's sad. Or not, their loves weren't what they thought it was. Or like, well, I mean, well, hmm. I know. It's so depressing. It is. <laughs> it's like, hmm. Apple, heading over to Apple. Let's take a bite out of Apple, shall we? Luke Evans has been cast in one of the lead roles of the upcoming Apple action thriller series, Echo 3. Huh. The 10 episode series, which hails from Mark Bowl, is set in South America and follows. Amber Cheskbro, a brilliant young scientist who is the emotional center of a small American family. When she goes missing along the Colombian-Venezuelan border, her brother, Bambi. Bambi. That's going to be Luke Evans, Bambi. Yeah. He's going to play Bambi. And her husband, two men with deep military experience and complicated past, struggle to find her in a drama set against the explosive backdrop of a secret war. Oh, shit. Wait, Secret Wars? What? Right. No, like, no. Not everything's Marvel, no, no, even right. though we want it to be. That's right. That's it's right. fine. It's fine. Well, MJ Rodriguez will star opposite Maya Rudolph in the upcoming Apple comedy series that hails from Alan Yang and Matt Hubbard. The series was ordered at Apple back in March. It follows Molly, who is played by Rudolph, a woman who seemingly is living a perfect life and is upended after her husband leaves her with nothing but $87 billion. Wait, are we still talking about Bezos? I know, right? Uh, Rodriguez will play Sophia, the hardworking executive director of the nonprofit funded by her absentee billionaire boss, Molly. Hmm. Very interesting, man. Very freaking interesting. Okay. All right. Now it is time for the top five segment. And you guys know we're not normally fans of reboots and remakes and all that shit combined. Well, Jason decided to make it a little hard this week. So it is top five movies that should be remade. Yeah. That we want to see remade. Yeah. Like, wait, what? I know. All right. It was interesting to think about this. And for each movie, I decided to... Think about it in different ways, whether it be technology or today's actors or anything like that. So I'll start off with my number five, and I'm going with Spy Kids. I think this whole franchise would be pretty cool to see reinvented right now because, one, the technology, I feel like, would be so much better. Mm -hmm. Because, I mean, the stories were good, and it was really fun to watch as a child. But now when you have new technology, the CGI would be so much better, and we could find, like, honestly, two girls to play the characters because i mean female empowerment you know so i mean you know there you go hey mine sticks almost along those same lines uh another one that when i was young that was uh you know pretty epic uh matthew broderick uh, a fetus matthew broderick and ali sheedy i'm talking about war games Mm. now this is basically where these computer guys that you know fight to take off the the when it basically skynet like they start a world war you know nukes and all that kind of stuff but i think now with the whole technology the way it is now and the way the systems are all controlled and hackers and like all i think it would be epic to readdress this situation yeah. have a new war games movie about what would happen if somebody breaks cybersecurity and launches this shit you know i think that would be epic that would be pretty yeah. badass oh man well my number four goes to the goonies mm. now mm. i the reason i am saying this is because we saw the success of it and how the children were portrayed in that one i feel like we could get a great group of kids together to recreate the goonies i mean you got trimley there 
you got, I, he's, he doesn't agree. He doesn't agree. But it's okay because I don't agree with some of his. I know. So it's I mean, fine. It it's is. okay. But yeah, I mean, I think we could pull together a great cast of kids to reinvent this. Not change up the story or anything, but like reinvent it with a new cast. I'd like to see the Goonies come back. Just like the same people, but like, you know. I, I, you know I yeah, know. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My number four is the last Starfighter, and I, it's one of those where I think technology nowadays with the CGI and the different effects would make this thing absolutely epic. If you guys aren't familiar with this, yeah, I know I'm showing my age on most of mine. It's fine. It's basically about this kid who's playing a video game called The Last Starfighter, and he beats the final level and masters it only to be all, all of a sudden transported to this other world where he's actually got to be the last starfighter he's been actually recruited the game was just a test by this alien like to bring him on to become the last starfighter to help them battle these things so i think it would just be i thought it was really interesting and really well done then but i just think the way the technology is now and and some of the actors that we have now would be absolutely brilliant now yeah i mean it would be interesting so man uh well my number three this one i mean Definitely should be remade because everybody fucking hated the live action interpretation. I'm talking about M. Night Shyamalan's The Last Airbender. That was a piece of garbage. Totally oh, agree with you. On man, this one. I fucking I loved Avatar: The Last Airbender. Bender, the animated series. So it was so great. Also, by the way, created by Dave Filoni, who is also involved with all the Star Wars shit. If y'all didn't know, he That's was right. over at Nickelodeon before Disney. But yes, The Last Airbender, I mean, there's, you guys know, you agree. There's even no reason to plead my case on this one. No, it's a good one. Yeah. I, I wholeheartedly agree. And I'm going to go with my number three, which is the one I think he disagrees with me on. But, yeah. <laughs> but I, look, I, look, I am totally Audrey Hepburn. Never can be replaced. And no way, shape, or form. Just Hollywood royalty, beauty, everything about her. Breakfast at Tiffany's, an absolutely brilliant movie. I love every second of it from start to finish. That said, I think it's a really great story. I think I think it's one of those that just connects and could really relate to people nowadays. And I think the perfect star would be Lily Collins, who is basically like Audrey reincarnated. I mean, look at them. She even says that Audrey's her muse. I mm. mean, if you're going to do it, and I think you should, but if you would to do it, I would think Lily Collins would have to star in it, and I think it would be brilliant. See, all that stuff you just said is basically all I said about the Goonies. I, I know. Yeah, exactly. I know. It's fine. I it's know. fine. <laughs> now this next one. I have an 80s movie that I'm okay with redoing, okay? Yeah, exactly. All right, we're going to get to it. <laughs> this next one I think would be very interesting in today's time, especially with social media and everything like that. You could literally watch this on your phone. The Truman Show. That would be fucking wild yeah. to see in nowadays time. I mean, what? That was put out in early 2000s late 90s something like that but yeah if you think about it now they would have a whole website or even have a fucking app where they could literally watch this kid grow up and i just think that would be crazy i mean if we put that in today's time i think it would open up a lot of eyes because that's basically what we're doing with everyone else that we think we know we're watching them go through their life so we are the truman show believe it or not i'm just saying it's true it's absolutely true uh, my number two 
The, yeah. I, I mean, this one I think everybody agrees on. Green Lantern. Yes. I don't think you can get Ryan Reynolds back, and fair enough. I wouldn't, I wouldn't do it either. He's not as passionate about Green Lantern as he was about Deadpool, about getting Deadpool right. So I don't see that happening. But Nathan Fillion, I'm just saying, redo Green Lantern, redo it fucking right, and cast Nathan Fillion, and that bad boy's a smash. That is a hit. It's a blockbuster. It's a tentpole. It, it, franchise galore, guys. Just franchise. All I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. That's it. Right there. Right That's there. It. Green Lantern. Well, my number one goes to Van Helsing. Mm. I mean, I'm just saying because they're building this monsters monsters universe, so why not fucking put Van Helsing in that universe? I love his storyline. I mean, I love the Hugh Jackson Jackson one. Okay, and I mean that one was absolutely phenomenal in my opinion. A lot of people hated on that one, but it's one of my favorites. Mine too. Um, but yeah, I think might as well put him in that universe. He's a fucking badass. He's a monster hunter. So. You know, I'm just saying. I'm just, maybe even make a cameo from fucking Hugh Jackman. That'd be badass. I mean, Hugh Jackman and Kate Beckinsale. How could you not I know, like it's that so movie? So good. It was epic. I, I just. It was before its time. I think people I just think didn't so catch too. it. It just you didn't get it. Speaking of before its time, here's my number one. It's a little one that George Lucas doesn't like to talk about. Yeah. Because George Lucas was behind it. You didn't know that, right? Howard the Duck. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Quite possibly one of the worst movies ever <laughs> made. Yeah. Ever made. But, but, the adorable, the fantastic, the talented, the lovely Leah Thompson, brilliant in the film. Yeah. By far the best part about the film. <laughs> I We have him now. James Gunn gave him to us. Howard the Duck in the MCU. He exists. Let James Gunn in the MCU do a Howard the Duck movie, okay? Or if James Gunn doesn't want to do it, let him write it. Let Kevin Smith direct it, who already sounded like he had epic plans for the series he was going to do. Bring back Leah Thompson. Boom. Boom. Just saying. Fix Howard the Duck, okay? (laughs) (laughs) Fix Howard the Duck. Don't watch it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Don't do it. Oh, my goodness. Well, guys, what are your top five remakes or your top one remake? We want to know. Be sure to leave a comment down in the YouTube section or add us on social media. We love the fan interaction. It's so good. So good. No, it is time for the box office recap. Oh, man. This anime completely overthrew Mortal Kombat. And I'm talking about Demon Slayer uh, Muggin Train. So it's very interesting. It came in at number one with 6.4 million. Like I said, dethroning Mortal Kombat, which mm-hmm. came in at number two with 6.2. Godzilla vs. Kong is still striving strong with uh, 2.8 million. Separation came in at number four with 1.8. And number five is Riot and the Last Dragon. There's a lot of lizards and dragons up in that it top five. Really That's all is. <laughs> With 1.4 million. There's a theme going on yeah. there. And uh, new movies that are coming out in select theaters, possibly near you. But our theater opened this weekend. So yes. very exciting. Wrath of Man. Above Suspicion. Oh. Uh, here mm. today, <laughs> The Waterman and a Mainstream. <laughs> Uh, movies you can still go see, uh, Nobody, The Unholy, Scott Pilgrim versus the World, Tom and Jerry, Together, Together. And now going over to the IMDb Pro Top Trending segment. You guys know we love this app. They actually just put out a new update today that you can now add credits on your IMDb Pro 
profile. Yes. If you are a creator, you can now put that on your project and or other things. So Thankfully. that's very exciting. They're really eliminating the whole getting on the desktop or laptop, which is kind of cool. Um, Finally. Yeah, the top trending movie is still Mortal Kombat. The top trending show is Shadow and Bone. Mm. And the top trending star is Ben Barnes. I'm surprised it's not Olympia Dukakis, but maybe next week. Maybe, maybe next, next week. week. Maybe next week. Well, anyway, guys, thank you so much for getting crazy with us on episode 161 of Inside the Crazy Ant Farm. We thank you so freaking much. We're going to have a guest again next week, so stay tuned for that. Of course, you guys can follow us everywhere on social media the company is at crazy ant media the podcast is at it calf podcast and you guys know you can follow us both personally on social media myself at jlo fantastic and crazy ant guy 1970 that's right and you guys know you can subscribe to this podcast anywhere you listen to your podcast anchor apple podcast spotify google play music iHeartRadio, podbean stitcher and so much more if you're watching this video on youtube we appreciate it be sure to smash that like button hit the subscribe button and ring the bell for all the latest and greatest notifications especially about the short film we just now put up a little video about the short film an awareness video i should say so be sure to check that out it's out right now on our website as well speaking of the website www.crazyantmedia.com you can head over there and start rocking the latest and greatest crazy ant media gear i did a little uh revamp a little revisitation of the website it looks hot it looks brand new looks fresh as they say so be sure to check it out looks spiffy oh man but it was a great show it was a great show honestly Going back and thinking about it, the top five was hilarious yeah. because, I oh, mean, definite. everybody knows we're so against all that shit. But, I mean, the Marvel trailer, mm. that was so good. I literally said it was beautiful because yeah. it was. I mean, it better than some movies, yeah. literally. Like, I just – and they get it. They get it. Those type movies. I don't care how big your screen is, how great your sound system is. You don't get what you see there when the when the when the hammer comes flying and on your left and they all come and that crowd goes wild. You you don't get that at home. You just can't get that. It was at an home. epic experience. It is. It just yeah yeah. One of my favorite parts of the show too. I mean, hands down. Uh, you know what though? You know, I, I, should we end it this way and just say, there's one thing that you should never ever attempt to remake <laughs> what's that the only o that matters that's right oprah, oprah!